All right. Welcome, Hi. everybody. Hi, Candice. Welcome Hi. to the program. So good so to have to be you. here. I'm excited to have you. And I know Nancy and Carson were expressing regret that they couldn't be with us tonight. Nancy's in a midterm. She just started law school. So, uh, and Carson is with family in South Carolina and couldn't get away, which means, and Andy cautioned me against this. I have a tendency to fangirl when we have guests on. And so he told me I needed to keep the fangirling to a minimum with you. And so I was like, I will do my best, but there are no guarantees. Okay. So I I mean, I am, I'm amazed that I have fans, honestly. Absolutely. Well, you know, (laughs) I've been following you for a while. And then when you agreed to do the handicapping league with us, I was thrilled. Um, and I want to let you know, you know, there are two reasons why I, I am a big fan of yours. One of them is that you are just you are a really positive influence on HRT, horse racing Twitter. Uh, and to me, that's important because there's so much drama yeah, associated can with HRT. Absolutely. And you seem to be one of those people who knows how to stay out of the drama. And yeah. so, yeah, I am a little envious in that way because I find the drama, I jump in head first. And then the other reason, uh, there are actually two more reasons. The other reason is you're a phenomenal handicapper. I've been following you uh, for a little bit of a while and just really impressed by what you do and what you produce. Well, thank and you. Thank you. And I want to say too, that I've, I've always appreciated uh, in the XFR league, that you are one of the first people to always congratulate someone, whether yeah, they were I here. Mean, a, yeah. It's, I, I, no, I'm not going to lie. I'm very competitive and I like <laughs> playing a game, but I also know that it's just a game and right. it, there's, it takes a lot. I mean, when you're handicapping, especially when you don't, when you're not following the track, or even if you do follow the track, horses are horses and they're going to do what they're going to do. So no matter how, deeply you study that race or that mm-hmm. card horses are still going to do horse things and if you score or you know whatever that's great mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right it's, just, it's a bonus I mean, it's fun yeah. you know for I- sure yeah and so I I know everyone in the audience right now is hearing that beautiful southern accent and you were born and raised in Memphis am, am I correct? Yes, that's correct. I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Um and Memphis is kind of like a a dead zone for horse racing. I mean, we're especially at that time um pre-internet and stuff when I was growing up um I don't come from a horsey family. Um oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, now if you ask my sister, she'll say yes, but I was the one that got the family into horses. Okay. So it's always been about the horse for me. I've always loved the animal. Um, I was fascinated with them when I was a child. That's when I started collecting all these Briar horses. Um, right. And it was actually a trip to the Briar convention called Briar Fest that was in Lexington, Kentucky. And I saw all the horse farms and um, I was like, you know, these people here, they make a living doing things with horses. You know, they, they mm-hmm. make careers in the horse business. This is something that I can actually do. And um, so the model horses kind of brought me closer to horse racing, though I liked watching it on TV and I had picked the Derby winner that same year we went to Briarfest. So it all mm-hmm. kind of just fell into place. 
That's amazing. You know, I wanted to tell you too, that I was mentioning that you were coming on tonight to a friend of mine and his immediate response was Derby Wars, Candace Curtis. And I was like, yes, Derby Wars, Candace Curtis. So you actually are a well-known name in horse (laughs) racing. And for you to, to come into horse racing, just having this fascination or love of horses, I think that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, um, for a long time, I wanted to be a racing veterinarian, mm-hmm. but believe it or not, I am not good at math and I'm not good <laughs> enough at math to get into vet school. So mm-hmm. that's why I went into journalism because I wanted to, I, and like the horses, race horses just have these, this wonderful social history to them. There's a lot mm-hmm. of stories and it's just, I was, I've always like, once I got steeped into it after that Briarfest trip, after I learned that horse racing was, you know, a really big thing. I just mm-hmm. was passionate about it. And I read a lot about the history and I read a lot. So I was like, you know, um, I would, I would like to write for the blood horse one day. Wow. So, um, but long story short, I ended up working for horse racing nation and we actually mm-hmm. get read by a lot of people, you know, yeah. like, not a lot. So it's almost like it's a modern blood horse. It's incredible. And, and so as you're going through your degree for journalism every day, every class, are you thinking to yourself, this is going to lead me to horse racing? I was hoping so. Um, I had to do, you know, I, I had to do a lot of stories that were local news for Memphis. So I was, you know, going to the city council meetings and going to the courts and stuff and looking at things. But every time we had time to write our own story or do our own little project, I was trying to find some horse person in Memphis, Shelby County that I could talk to and, you know, kind of do a story for. And whenever we had to do um, uh, data journalism, I really enjoyed that class, which you know, no, no surprise. Yeah. Like horse racing, you like to go into data and looking at, look at stuff. And so whenever I had to do things about, uh, you know, uh, database reporting, I would try to find some kind of horse thing. Um, but, um, I just, I, I really got more into promoting horse racing when I worked at Graceland because I know that question was going to be coming. (laughs) Yes, tell me Um, about Graceland. Graceland was the most wonderful place to work. It was a beautiful place. I love Elvis music anyway, and I'm a big Elvis fan, so it was great to be there among all the other fans and all around his house, and you know, you just get steeped in all the lore of Elvis Mm -hmm. and Graceland too, so um, I did that for five years, and wow. when I I was doing that while I was in college, and um, then after I graduated, I was looking for some kind of job to do, because it's, I mean, this is probably going to surprise people, but it's really hard to go from Memphis, Tennessee, writing stuff online mm-hmm. and writing things for your little local papers to the blood horse. <laughs> it wow. was, yeah. It's really hard to do that. It's really hard. To jump from there to there so I was looking mm-hmm. for some kind of job to do and I, and I worked at Graceland and what really cemented me um, and like really encouraged me to get more involved in the horse racing business was all the people who would come through and take a Graceland tour because we were allowed to have a, a you know pieces of flair on our mm-hmm. name tags and I always had horse racing things I would get Kentucky Derby pins and mm-hmm. um 
the year I started at Graceland was the year that Smarty Jones won two legs of the Triple Crown. So I had a Smarty Jones button on my name tag and everybody who came through knew Smarty Jones and they had all, we just would talk about the horses and the horse and was he going to win the Belmont? Could he do it? You know, and like, yeah. I thought that he was good enough to, to win. Um, but spending that time at Graceland and talking to people who were going to the Kentucky Derby or to the Breeders' Cup or coming back from it, even sometimes people would be going to a sale or something and I would, you know, say, oh, hey, you know, they had their face tipped and hat on or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'd point that out and I'm like, oh, hey, you know what that is? Oh, of course I know what that is. You know? Yeah. So um, that I, uh, they have a serious radio station that broadcasts from Graceland. And wow. uh, I, yeah, it was, it's really cool. Um, but when they started doing that, I got a serious radio for my car and I started listening to other channels. And mm -hmm. one of the other channels that I found was the one that had the Steve Bick show on it. And he happened to be talking about the racetrack program at Arizona. So I was listening to this and I was like, you know, I, I, I actually like school and I like learning things. And a lot of people have come out of Arizona that, you know, they didn't really have a horse racing background. They have a lot of alumni that, that they placed and that are in the business now. And I was like, you know, I think I could, I think I want to do that. <laughs> so that was actually something I really wanted to talk to you about was this particular program, because in Nevada, I've actually been looking for kind of an online degree program where I could learn more and I had no idea this program existed. So tell people you went from Memphis to Arizona and yes, I did went to the RTIP program. Tell us about it. So the RTIP is the racetrack industry program It's part of the college of agriculture and life sciences at the university of Arizona in Tucson. Um, I had never been farther than probably, probably hot springs west from Memphis oh <laughs> so moving to Tucson was a big thing mm -hmm. uh but it was uh all to follow this passion for horse racing and wow. um it was uh, I did a two-year program because I already had a degree um I did I learned everything from the ground up about how the sport works the economic model the uh, regulatory model I learned all about um all of the uh, the laws in the country and in each state that allow horse racing to happen. And then when you also, you learn about horse racing promotion and marketing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of interested in that because one of the things that I enjoyed doing when I was talking to people coming through Graceland was asking them about handicapping and asking them about, you know, oh, you know, you, you know, the Derby, have, you know, have you bet on it? What, you know, kind of promoting that part of it too. So while I was at Arizona, I did a, uh, I did an internship in the marketing department at Del Mar. And that was awesome. I was there. Wow. I was there the same year that Zenyatta won her Clement Hirsch. The second oh my one. gosh. It was, wow. it was really cool. And she was just like, it, that, that was the cherry on top of that whole summer. Um, I learned a lot about horse racing promotion and horse racing especially at a really good meet like Del Mar. Mm -hmm. And I also learned a lot about handicapping contests. And it was something that I had done a little bit online, off and on. Um, but at the time, Derby Wars didn't exist. 
uh, horse turnings didn't exist. So you had to go to the track to do it. And so I met a lot of handicappers while I was out there and learned how contests work. And I was like, you know, this is really cool. And this is a really good way to introduce people to the wagering part, which as much as I love the horses, I also like to be, I like to be right. Yeah, <laughs> right. You, you can't be more right than if your horse wins the race. Right, <laughs> wins right. The money. Monetary so, proof of that rightness. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm. So I was like, um, I, I, I thought that handicapping contests would be a really good way to introduce people to horse racing, betting, and that kind of thing, and get people, you know, excited about it, even if they didn't get excited about betting the horses themselves, playing against other people, you always, I mean, that's always, that gets your competitive juices flowing, that's a really good way Mm -hmm. to do it, so um, I um, had done some other things while I was at Arizona with uh, the Turf Publicists of America, I, I helped them with their email lists, which is how I got into email marketing. And that's what I do for Horse Racing Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from Arizona to Shreveport, Louisiana to work with Mark Midland and the Horse Racing Nation team, right, nice. just right as they were getting started. And it was so cool. Um, but I, not gonna lie, Shreveport, Louisiana, not my favorite place to live. <laughs> got it, got it. Okay. Um, so, uh, but when I started, we were just the, the website with the wiki, and the news side was starting to grow and starting to, to build a little bit. Um, but the other th- thing that really got me interested in Horse Racing Nation and Mark was Derby Wars, and it was sorry, that's my dog. That's okay, you might hear my dog. Later. Okay. <laughs> um, so Derby Wars was a horse racing tournament site, and um, it was it was <laughs> it was revolutionary at that time because there were, there really weren't any other sites, and um, we uh, it was it was really fun to promote that and build that that so clientele and. What does it feel like to be a member of the like you know? the founding group or the group that helped build horse racing nation, because I mean, I go to, you know, I go to your website two to three times a week, if not more often, you know, and and it, it, from what you're talking about to what it is now, I mean, you, your group has done an incredible job of building it out. Well, thank you so much. mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's all, it's because all of us are passionate about horse racing. We all love it. Um, we all genuinely love the sport. We love the game. We want to see it grow and we want to make it easier for people to find out information about horse racing. We want to make it easier for people to learn how to handicap. We want to make it easier for people to look up stuff and especially find stuff for free. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you can find stuff about other sports for free, just Googling it. And we kind of want that to be horse racing nation. And, right. um, uh, we've g- gotten more into um, database stuff for mm-hmm. pro reports and that we started doing that about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So um, we've, we've kind of started to go in that direction with horse racing nation, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just thrilled that I even get to sit here in Louisville, Kentucky and go to work every day and talk about horses with people. <laughs> right. So it sounds like you're one of those people who is just so driven. You made your dream come true. You went through that journalism degree. You did RTIP. And Pretty much. Yes. 
Yeah. And have you always been this driven? Like even as a little kid, would your parents describe you this way? Or is it something that maybe horse racing brought out in you or? Well, I don't know if they would say that I was like driven Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't like to like leave home. I like to stay in Memphis. You know, I was fine doing that, but uh, Mm -hmm. I just loved horse racing so much. And my mom said that um, I was a horse in another life. That's (laughs) why, I mean, that's the only thing that she could come up with to explain why I like so much. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, that's, I mean, I, I, I wanted to, to do this I wanted to be here I wanted to be around horses and do things with horse racing and and I do and (laughs) and like gotta make it happen what's your favorite thing about your job that whenever this task lands on your desk or when that time of the week rolls around what is it you love so much about your job Oh, I like doing the daily email, the the daily Mm -hmm. newsletter, because I get to go through the whole site and see what our reporters have been putting together. And I get to learn what all my favorite trainers and horses and jockeys are doing and and then figure out how to present all of that information to my readers in an Mm -hmm. interesting way. And I I just that I, I mean, as basic as it is, I just love putting together my newsletter. Um, I also do marketing emails for super screener for the pro reports um and for derby wars so um that's but that's like the tip of the iceberg i build web pages and do a lot of other things (laughs) so how much i can see with the the emails and the newsletters how much of your your journalism degree are you able to apply to the marketing aspect of your job because that's one of the things i have to do a little bit of for uh, trip note pros. I have a part-time job with them. Yeah. And I, to me, the marketing is so scary. It's terrifying. How do you manage that? Especially well, with such a fickle audience. Well, it's, um, I find that my, my journalism training helps keep things concise and it helps, mm-hmm. you know, uh, be able to write something that could be, you know, horse racing can be very technical in in a lot of things. So figuring out how to get a lot of those hardcore technical headlines into something that is fun to read, but also Mm -hmm. makes you interested in clicking on that. Yeah. Um, That has, I feel like my training has helped me do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, I want to tell people that horse racing is fun and horse racing horse racing betting is fun and this is how to do it and this is how to get better at it and this is how to win more while while you're doing it so um just putting together all of those pieces and then plus our products are awesome so it makes it easy when when you have a good product um so that's what that's what I do when I get ready to do a marketing email you know look at what what we have what what I want to what what is the main point that I want people to understand and why they should buy it? (laughs) Right. And Um, so how often do you have to interact with, you know, the other members of, of the team, for instance, Ed DeRosa, every day, every day, every day. Yes. Should I send you alcohol? 
to do, to do that or no I love it Ed, Ed is I mean I do like bourbon so. yeah right there we go okay now that sounds like Ed Ed loves yeah. bourbon um I love Ed Ed is a friend is a friend of the program so we, we tease yeah. him mercilessly though uh so so you do you have to interact with your team fairly closely to make sure that you're hitting their marks and your customers marks of course yes okay yes yeah. Gotcha. And we, we get together, you know, and talk about what we want the next week to look like and, you know, what, especially next week, Breeders' Cup. Mm-hmm. It's, right. It's, it's going to be a blow every, like every day is going to be crazy. Um, but we're going to, we're going to have a really good set of content for our readers and we're going to have some good products. Uh, we're actually putting the finishing touches on some of our Breeders' Cup packages right now. And, um, so we're, we're just really excited about it. I mean, it's the culmination of the whole year for right. all of the divisions. Um, right. So is it, how long have you been focusing on the Breeders' Cup? Like, I know a lot of HRT, a lot of the touts and things have been putting, we've been working 100 hours on these cards and things like that. But in, in your business, how far out do you start the work? Well, we started selling Breeders' Cup super screener which is the the flagship product the the breeders cup super screener Mm -hmm. is part of the super screener family Mm -hmm. and that is uh mike shuddy who's one of the co-founders of horse racing nation Mm -hmm. um he got tired of ripping up tickets after the kentucky derby so he went through and took 20 years worth of data on kentucky derby winners and ran it through uh data and data analysis that he created and he came up with these points data points to identify kentucky derby winners from kentucky derby pretenders and uh he started giving it to his friends who started winning on like the animal kingdom kentucky derby and um he he they they said this product is this is really good you should sell this so he started selling it around the time that I joined Horse Racing Nation and expanded it to the Breeders' Cup that same year. So we've been doing the Breeders' Cup for 11 years. And the criteria for Breeders' Cup races, of course, since there's so many of them, um, the, it's slightly different for each race. And it kind of evolves with the more data he gets for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, um, it's still one of the things that I look at myself when I'm handicapping, he just, he does a really good job of explaining how the pace is going to set up. And he does a really good job of talking about horses, energy uh, distribution throughout the race. And as somebody who like looks at horses and looks at their physical attributes and stuff, mm-hmm. that that's really helpful for me. And, um, So So, you're, you're not just advocating, you know, as, as someone who works, you know, with him and, and this is a product that the company you work for sells, but you're using his, his materials in your own personal handicap. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. I love to hear that. That makes me want to buy it. Yeah. Well, the, the other, the other reports that we have, um, our pace report, our jockey report, our first time starter power ratings, all of the reports that we have came from finding a hole in the data that we, that, that existed. And we're like, well, what, what can we create with this information that we have? How can we make a product that can help somebody handicap better, make some, help somebody win more. Um, Right. 
so so all of the we all of us kind of put in our ideas for what sort of what sort of things we would like to to offer and so that's how the pro reports came to be and our our most uh our newest one is the first time starter power rankings Mm -hmm. and that came from how do you go about handicapping a horse that's never run before well right. you look at the workouts but then sires and then also trainers so mm-hmm. uh, we figured out some algorithms to put together the data from the barn the trainer mm-hmm. the sire the track and it and it comes up with some pretty useful information there so if you See got a that- five star <laughs> That piques my curiosity because I've only been handicapping about three years now. And every time I see a maiden race, I groan because I have no idea how to handicap if there aren't previous races to look at. And I know what I'm reading when I look at workout outs, but I don't know how to interpret that information. So would that product help me do that? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And then we also have another one that is first time starter insights, but actually we need to rename that one. But anyway, it has mm-hmm. first timer and second time starter information. So, oh. um, if you have a horse that like, there's a, just for instance, um, if you have a sire that the first time starters don't do very well, but if they're second time start, they're popping off like hotcakes, you know, mm-hmm. you can look at that and, you know, maybe find a price that you can use when you're playing the races that day. So I would definitely check it out. Yeah, I think I will, because those races give me agita. When I (laughs) basically, if I look at a 10 card, you know, a 10 race card and I see three maiden races or whatever, I immediately know I'm going to lose those races. No, right. I don't know how to, to properly handicap, but would you say that these products give HRN an edge over maybe some of the other websites where your goal is not just to educate, but to also help people improve uh, and move along in their process? 100%. I feel like the the people that I work with have helped me learn and helped me become a better, better. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like I said, I, I love the horse and I've studied the horse and the pedigree and all that kind of thing. But putting it together and figuring out how to put the wager together and what type of wager right. to use, because you don't necessarily want to play the super mm-hmm. vector or whatever, every time, or a pick three might not be what you want to do today. Mm-hmm. Um, learning from them and uh, learning how to put the, put the wagers together, put the money together. To right. Me you know, get a good return. Has well, been- next time I put a ticket together, I'm going to DM you and say, I might need a little help with this ticket. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Cause yeah. that's something that I'm still learning too. The thing right. about horse racing is constantly, it's constant learning process and mm-hmm. everything, you know, they're horses. So they're going to horse. Yeah. And <laughs> the horses today are different. They're trained differently. The, the way that the tracks are, the speed, everything is different, even than it was in 2000 when I really got deep into it too. So wow. um, it's just, it's just a constant, constant, constant learning environment, which is great. I love it. Right. And so let me ask you about your handicapping process. When you are handicapping, well, first of all, is it Briz or is it DRF for you? I actually am a Tom Form US. 
hundred percent convert. Really? I use it every time. Okay. Um, one of the cool, it's actually one of the cool things about working with horse racing nation is that I got to see time form when it was actually a spiral bound <gasps> sample. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. And I, because, because when you look at PP, just, you mm. know, even today, um, it's there's a lot of numbers there's a lot of black and white and mm-hmm. what I would do is get my pen out and go through and circle things and color things in and put arrows and lines and stuff and mm-hmm. I was like I need a we need to have pps where I can just glance at it and figure it out and time mm-hmm. form does that for me I can that it mm. saves a lot of time for me in my handicapping so yeah when for, for instance, when I'm looking at the Valley View on Friday, the first thing mm-hmm. that I look at is their pace projector because pace mm-hmm. to me is, I mean, pace makes the race. You gotta yeah. know, you gotta be able to figure out who's gonna go to the front, how fast or how pressured the mm-hmm. pace is gonna be. And then you can go from there and that's what I do. So when I open up my Timeform US and I click on the race, I go to the pace projector and I see who is gonna be on the lead and whether or not their algorithm says it's going to be fast or slow. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I look at the, um, at the pace figures that they have on time form. So they'll show, um, they'll have a, a number for how fast the horse is early. And then it kind of tell you what type of running style that horse has. And then the number for how fast the horse is going to be running late. And that just saves me so much time. Right. I can just glance at it, see, who's going to be on the, on the lead. Now, if it's a maiden race or if it's one that has a lot of first timers or horses that haven't run a lot, it doesn't really mean that they're going to be on the lead every time. It might yeah. have just meant that that's how they ran in that first race. So, right. so I look at, uh, once I, once I look at those figures, then I go into each horse's PPs and I see when was the last time they won a race? Mm-hmm. And how did they run the race that time that they won? Were they mm-hmm. up close to the pace or did they come from off the pace? And then I kind of look at the horses that are in the current race and I say, well, if this horse likes to be up front, mm-hmm. um, are they going to be going, is he going to be the one that's lead? Is he going to be the horse that's on the lead or is he going to be just sitting off the pace or and so how did you learn this? Are you self-taught or did you yes. have mentors? So you're self-taught. <gasps> yeah. Um, well, like I said, hero. I come from a, I come from a horse racing dead zone. We didn't have, mm-hmm. and then gambling was kind of taboo in mm-hmm. the South too. So um, talking about this, there was nobody I could talk about this with. Right. Um, it was, yeah. it was online, you know, web forums and bulletin boards and stuff that I learned about horse race gambling and things. And, um, so, uh, I just, I read a lot. I watched when horse racing was on TV and watched Mm -hmm. DVG and stuff and kind of learned some things that way. But, um, did your parents think you were crazy? Did what? Did your parents think you were crazy? My parents, my parents were very supportive. I have to say, they they were very supportive they just they wanted to see me and my sister too they just wanted us to be happy and mm-hmm. they they didn't really care what it was and my my family are they animal lovers we have had dogs and cats and, oh, yeah um, i have uh, i have a miniature horse now and 
I had two of them up until about a year ago. <laughs> but um, so we, it being an, an animal related thing, right. and also also horse vacations were cheaper than Disney World when I was gotcha. growing up. So <laughs> <laughs> I bet, yeah. I bet, yeah, wow. So okay, so when you're handicapping, how much attention do you pay? to pedigree trainer jockey um i i do look at that stuff um especially if the trainer has been kind of on a hot streak i kind of look at what's going on recently um you know like mike maker's been having a really good time Mm -hmm. at keeneland and at kentucky downs he's one of the leading trainers there so i kind of take a extra close look at his horses when they're in the races and todd pletcher and when they're in uh, at gulf stream is you know you got to look at his horses um, like Bob Baffert and Doug O'Neill in California, you just, you, you just really have to look at them. Um, they know what they're doing. They know how to get a horse ready to run. So, um, you kind of have to figure out if, you know, if you're going to try to beat them. Right. Yeah. And so are you, it sounds like you're one of those people, like one of my mentor, when he's looking at that information, he's connecting dots. Yes. He's saying, okay, so this trainer with this jockey, with this horse's pedigree. Yeah. And yeah. that contributes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But, but I don't think that, I mean, and like I've been following the sport for a long, long time. So mm-hmm. I've watched that horse's great grandsire or whatever. Right. Run. Uh, yeah. But I don't think you have to do that. I think that mm-hmm. one of the, one of the things that these um, reports are going to help people do are figure out all of this kind of ephemeral knowledge and yeah we've been able to put it put it into a number and put it Mm -hmm. into an algorithm and kind of make it something that is more objective than just my you know I saw that horse's sire run third in the Mm -hmm. uh, Preakness 1997. (laughs) Right and so that you said something that kind of made me wonder are the products that HRN is offering, uh, excuse me, offering to uh, your subscribers and people who stop by They're for every, every handicapper at every stage of handicapping. So as a newbie, I could jump in and figure yes, out what's I, going on. I, I do think that you can jump in at any stage. Um, we have um, explanation of how the pro- how you should use the product and what all of the things mean on the on the report, um, and then we're always taking suggestions for how to make it better uh, because mm-hmm. they're they're relatively new for us, so we know what we like and we know what works for us and we know why we created the product. But if somebody finds a different way to use it or something that we could add to it to make it to you know take it up another notch, we're always looking for that. Right, and I can only imagine how beneficial to the that process your opinion would be especially especially in light of the fact that you're self-taught you would know what a new handicapper a self-taught handicapper would need and can jump in right and say well this isn't worded properly or you need to add this oh yeah oh yeah 100 percent. we go back and forth before we release a product mm-hmm. and make sure that it's easy to understand that we've explained it well that it has enough you know, color coding or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, so it's, it's ready to just pick it up and, and, and start using it. That's phenomenal. And I think that should make anybody who, you know, is in the audience and listening 
give them confidence in that. Definitely. Because when I, right. When I purchase things, I don't know if I'm going to be able to access it. Like I can read it, but do I understand it? It might be above and beyond my level, but it sounds like, you know, you being involved with that process is super beneficial. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. it it all goes back to, I want to, I love horse racing and I think more people should because it's a great, it's a great game. It's a great intellectual, um, accomplishment when you pick a horse and win the race and then you have some money. That's awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. So how did you learn to bet? Because that's one thing I'm learning that candy capping and betting are two different worlds. Oh yeah. Well, that comes from, uh, um, I'm still learning how to bet. And I, again, that's something that you never just like learn how to do, but right. being, being on Twitter and seeing all the hardcore Twitter handicappers right. and learning about, well, learning about takeout and how that works and learning mm-hmm. about the different types of wagers and how much the takeout rate is on those. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that, that has shaped the way that I wager. So right. I actually have not done much exotic wagering. It's pretty much just been straight win play show betting for me wow. the last year, okay. because those have the lowest takeout rates. Yeah. And I feel if I can, you know, get my opinion pretty sharp on one or two horses and just really lay it down, that right. that's really good. <laughs> So would you say that your handicapping process uh, makes you a better, just general better, or does it make you a better contest player? Or do you feel like you're pretty balanced in both? Um, I think that I'm still learning the betting part and Mm -hmm. the contest part because I work for Derby Wars, I haven't Mm -hmm. been able to play as many of those. And that's why I was really excited to play for the X factor. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, but uh, contest play to me is kind of, there are so many different ways to, to play this, this game. So you have the handicapping and you're looking at the horse and you're looking at the horse's Mm -hmm. stats and then figuring out how you're going to bet it. But then when you add playing against other players in a contest, uh, that's a whole other way. And from, from being with Derby Wars and watching how some of those contests have gone, um, the main thing that I picked up in the type of contest that we've been playing is pretty much been a head to head contest. Yes. So the main thing that you want to do there is to just put scores on the board. So you want to find places where it's, uh, where you feel very confident and just, just get the, even if it's a short price favorite it doesn't matter just putting numbers on the board is how you win so in the x factor racing league have you had any weeks yet where you've had zero at the end or because you've been kicking ass pardon my you. Language, <laughs> like you have been consistently phenomenal i uh early when we first started i think that first time that we were at uh Woodbine, I was mm-hmm. not having a good day that day. <laughs> uh, oh. And I was afraid I was going to be scoreless this past week at Laurel mm-hmm. because um, I, as much as I look at my pace numbers and that kind of thing, it's still attractive. I don't play very often mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how it plays. And I don't know who the trainer, hot trainers and jockeys are there. So right. I was like, I'm probably, this is going to be my goose egg week. Cause I just, I, I wasn't sure. But then 
the one there was one race that had a pace a horse that was pace advantaged and i was like if this horse can get on the lead and kind of dictate the pace he's gonna he's gonna do it and he did and that was the one nice. horse that, that was the one horse i scored on. congrats that's <laughs> awesome yeah i how do you feel about this structure? Because I've played in different leagues. I, I used to play in the Daily Gallops League and our commissioner also was the commissioner for that league. But their setup was you'd get a track a week and you would have to handicap all of the races. Um, I like I like being able to choose which ones okay. uh, because when I'm when I actually am at the racetrack and when I'm actually playing the races i do not bet every race I, awesome. I might look at every race but mm -hmm. there might be um one where i don't really have a strong opinion or where it's super tough and there's like six horses like especially at keeneland where we have in kentucky mm -hmm. downs where we had big fields there could be six horses that i have trouble separating and i'm like well mm -hmm. this one is good and that was good and i'm just like i'm I, i'm not gonna go there <laughs> right gonna, I, I will let them beat me and, yeah. but, and that's something that i'm trying to get better at is in mm -hmm. those times you know just figuring out how I'm gonna play if I have six horses what am I gonna do instead of right. passing it but I I don't do that very often um but I do like being able to choose which races especially mm -hmm. in this format where like I said you just want to put score on the board mm -hmm. um that way I can go through and figure out where I have a good opinion or where I might find a pace advantage or something like that right um, and what I would do is um, because I'm familiar with the horses that are in the States, I feel like I have a stronger opinion about those. So mm -hmm. in each week I've gone through and pretty much just handicapped the States and nice. That's, okay. I mean, I mean, it's the horses that you know the most about. So, right. And I will say that? I have been so happy to be able to avoid maiden races. <laughs> yes. Susan, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I will say though, too, that the very beginning of our league, um, I was frustrated and I was expressing that to our commissioner, Gorgonzola of 44. Yeah. I was like, I keep picking the wrong five races, you know? And then finally I decided, you know, I'm just going to go with the stakes races. I'm going to, you know, try and play it a little safer. And I've, I've been far more successful yes. since I made that decision. So yes. I'm totally with you there. Go with um, where you have a strong opinion. Go where absolutely. you have confidence. Mm -hmm. That's what and, that's what to do. So one thing I'm in the process of learning is not letting people talk me off an opinion. How difficult is it for someone to talk you off of a horse that you love? It's really hard for somebody to talk me off a horse. Mm -hmm. Um because it's my like I looked at that horse. I looked at that horse's peepees and I figured out that's Mm -hmm. that horse is um, that I'm going to play that horse the way I'm going to play it right. so um you have to like really I, I just if I like what I'm not going to jump off of it because I've learned that when I do jump off of it is when that horse is going to win right right <laughs> so uh <laughs> so if so it takes a lot to talk me off of a horse mm -hmm. um but it actually doesn't take too much to talk me onto one if you have one really? or two good data points if you have mm -hmm. one or two good data points that I haven't considered yet. Right. I'll look at it. I will look at it. And so what would those data points be? Would it be out of your, you know, your realm of knowledge or would it be something that you're familiar with and you can be like, yep, I agree. Well, there's just so much going on in life in general. And mm -hmm. so say someone noticed that this one, like, oh, uh, this 
the Tyler Gaffleonis won three races today and he's mm. on fire and oh well I didn't watch the first three races of the day so thanks for telling me that let me look at the horse that he's on a little bit closer so yeah. that kind of thing that kind of thing some or um if somebody is at the track and I'm not and they say oh well this this works for maiden horses too and it's like oh well the the two horse just looks like a just looks like a statue this looks like a briar horse it looks great mm-hmm. um you should put that one on your tickets because it just looks like he's going to win. I'll, so I'll look at that. How much do you pay attention to the rumor mill? Cause I have seen some gamblers, they are getting text messages. They're talking to people in the paddocks and they rely a lot on just rumors. How, how much do you put into that? Um, as a handicapper, not very much. I like okay. what I look at in the PPs and what I right. see at the track that day, because right. whatever happened, you know, a week ago at the barn doesn't really matter if, right. the horse, you know, if he threw a shoe while he was training, you know, he's fine today. I don't, yeah. that doesn't really matter. Gotcha. Um, but as for a person who does horse racing news, I'm always, I always have an ear to the ground for the mm-hmm. gossip. There <laughs> if you it go. can be, if it can be backed up, if it can be um, confirmed, I'll, I will take it. I will pass it on to the news yeah. team. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the way that it goes for me. Yeah. And I like that that's balanced, you know, you're making logical decisions, whereas some of these messages that I see, and then people putting tons of money on, on a horse that they just have a rumor about. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a tank of gas, you know, or whatever. But, um, so turf, dirt, or synthetic, which do you prefer to handicap? I don't have a preference. Um, Mm -hmm. but when I was working at Del Mar, I had a really good time learning about and handicapping synthetics. And as a person who loves horses and, and just as Mm -hmm. the animal, uh, synthetics have been proven to be the safest surface for them to run on. So I really, I kind of wish we had more of them and it, it makes it a different handicapping puzzle. It adds another layer to it. Mm -hmm. But, um, by the time most of the tracks started to pull up their poly track or their tapita, we had had about 10 years worth of data. So I feel like if you had 10 years to figure out how to play, right. It's on you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, Carson and I were having a conversation about, uh, synthetics a couple of weeks ago, and she just, she echoed what you said, uh, that it's just safer for the horse. And the more I learn about the sport, the more concerned I become for the horses. And so I was reading in, in your bio online that you're passionate about laminitis and, and advocating for horses when it comes to, to illnesses like this. And I'm really kind of unclear. And I know this is a little bit of a tangent off of where we were in handicapping, but what is laminitis and how does that impact the horse? Well, laminitis is an acute hoof inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can happen to old horses, young horses, um, but in race horses, it tends to happen to the horse's opposite leg that has been injured because of the Ooh. weight that the, because of the pressure and the weight that gets okay. put on that foot. And basically it has no cure. Um, some horses can get better, like the inflammation will go down mm-hmm. and it won't have um, caused the bone inside of the hoof to mm-hmm. lose too much of its cushion. Um, and the horse's, horse can be shooed so that 
it has the correct angles and it's able to live, you know, a, a good life. Um, but too many times the laminitis just progresses to where the horse doesn't survive gotcha. and they're learning more about it. And that's actually what Barbaro died from. It wasn't his, his leg injury, his original one. It was the laminitis that got that developed in his opposite leg and mm. as much I mean his body was put through the ringer yeah. and that was the one thing that he couldn't recover from mm. and um any horse can get it um there's a lot of different causes depending on how old the horse is and what other uh issues the horse might have um it but sounds preventable it can be it can mm-hmm. be yes yes okay. with proper diet um, exercise and shoeing, gotcha. it'll be, it, it can be preventable. Um, but once you have a horse that has started to pick it up or start to develop it, you have to be really careful so that it doesn't go over the tipping point to gotcha. where it's yeah. uh, incurable. They can't come back. So do you do right. a lot? Do you do work with aftercares? Do you like, like, how does your passion and love of the horse uh, lead you down this path of being interested in their illnesses, how to treat them, prevent them, etc. Well, like, that goes back to just me being interested in being a vet at one time. Okay. So I, I okay. always tried to stay up on what's going on with it. And uh, I, by no means am I a veterinarian, but I do mm-hmm. like to keep up with what's going on in the research and okay. just kind of see how um, the people who are right. out there of how they are working to help horses recover from laminitis and other issues. And they've come a long way. They've come a long way. So Um, when you're looking at PPs and and going through a race, which we're going to do here momentarily, race eight at Keeneland, how how much are are you also looking at that running line, the, the trouble line? And seeing that, you know, oh, the horse was limping or maybe the horse had Lasix this time, but doesn't have it next, you know, or didn't have it last time, et cetera. Does that factor into your handicapping? The only thing that really factors into it um, is if, if I notice something is off about the horse's stride when I'm at the track or if I'm watching mm-hmm. the feed and I see that the horse is kind of, you know, nodding his head a little bit more, seems to be favoring something, then I probably will not use that horse mm-hmm. and wonder how did he get into the, right. How did he get in there today? Uh, but uh, the, the only time that I really look at laces is if it's a first time because mm-hmm. that does tend to move them up. Okay. Um, or if they've come over from Europe and they had, you know, they, if they were at the Breeders' Cup last year and then they come back for it, that it does tend to move them up. Um, gotcha. And so with, with that being said, you just, you were mentioning, you know, looking at the horse in their gait and things like that. Do you watch replays? Do you factor replays into your handicapping? For the Breeders' Cup and for the Kentucky Derby, yes. Okay. I go back and I look at all the all of them. I don't know when I'm going to be doing that this, this oh. next several days, but wow, I will go back eyes. and I'll watch as many replays as possible. Now mm-hmm. for the Derby, um, we have a race replay page for all of the Derby points races on horse racing nation. And I'm the one oh, that put that fantastic. together. 
So I get to watch all of the replays as I'm putting them on that page. So I'm pretty, mm-hmm. I keep up with the Derby horses a lot more than I keep up with all of the divisions of the Breeders' Cup. Wow, you're going to be scary for the Breeders' Cup then with all that information you've been gathering. But see, but see, that's the other thing. You don't want to get into information overload. So gotcha. when I actually am handicapping the race, when I get, I've got all this all this background information and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I actually sit down to make my picks, I try not to spend more than five or 10 minutes. Really? That's it. Yeah. I just really, I look at the PPs and I'm like, this is the pace. This is what it's going to be. Because if I look at it too long and look at it too yeah. hard, I'm going to end up with six horses and, you know, yeah. and that just, it doesn't work for me. I, I would rather just, Look at it and place the bet and then that's it. And so how much of like your pick, because you definitely, you're, you're a woman after my own heart. It's, it's, you know, the numbers, the facts and things like that, that you can read on paper. How much of your pick is going to be just your gut? Hmm. Um, and that's a hard, like, that's a hard question. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> because you, once, like I said, once I'm on a horse, I, you can't I, be talking about, yeah, that's mine. That's mine. <laughs> so, um, when like, so like for the classic, I, I made a, uh, I had a hot take about rich strike and like, I didn't say, I thought he was going to win the race. People were yeah. jumping all on me about that. I'm like, no, I think he's going to hit the board. Cause it's going to yeah. be fast enough. So I'll probably, it's, you're going it, to, I'm, uh, my gut says he's going to hit the board. Yeah. Yeah. And are you, do you feel like you're usually right? Or do you feel like it's, it's hit or miss? I, I think that's just all of horse racing. I think, right? uh, I mean, I haven't, I actually don't have a lot of stats on my own stuff. That's one of the things mm-hmm. that Ed does that I, that I appreciate. And I feel like I need to start doing. Right. Um, Candace, that would be where, amazing. Where, 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 how is, how good is my gut? Or like right. that really famous line from the movie, my, yeah. my guts have shit for brains. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that would be fascinating because as I've watched you from week to week, I have, often asked myself, what the hell is she doing? She's having such, you know, great weeks and all of that. And so there, yeah, you've been one of those people who I've been watching closely and just trying to figure out, I might know more about your stats right now than you do. You probably do. Honestly, (laughs) this, 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 I'm going to tell you this year has been bad. It's just, it's been crazy because my mother passed away in June and it's just been, uh, I actually was watching the Kentucky Derby from her hospital room. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the days that she was having a good day. And um, I just, it, it, I, I, I agreed to do the contest because I needed mm-hmm. something to focus on right. outside of all that other, other drama. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited that I've been doing as well as I have. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's been really impressive. And I think for a first first season like if we get a chance to do a second season I'd love to have you back I can't imagine you'll 100%. probably right you'll run away with it so I'm setting myself up for failure. No, no, I, I have to play against Sarah and I right um, how lethal is she she's awesome she's awesome right? she's one of the best people that we've had with horse racing nation handicapping wise just it's yeah. it's great working with her I am I bet like and it's 
with you and Sarah, it's nice to see such strong, balanced female voices in horse racing. Um, Nancy and I get teased a lot by a group of horse racing friends that we have. They call this the feminist podcast. (laughs) And I say, well, we're actually kind of anything, but we just want to have a voice in horse racing. But I would say you and Sarah, uh, as well as, uh, you know, a lot of the women that, that we've been playing with from week to week are phenomenal influences and voices. And is that something that you're aware of that you are a voice and a personality in racing or? I mean, I, it, I mean, I just live and do my own thing, but Mm -hmm. I will say, um, I was at the Arlington million day at Churchill Downs Mm -hmm. and I was there with my dad and I was sitting in the, in the, at the, in the grandstand at a table and somebody came up to me and recognized me and he was like, what? (laughs) That's amazing. It was, I I was taken aback, but my dad, he was it's always nice I think when other people see you know see you being recognized for something it's like hey I can do this right this, it's not just this thing that I do on the weekend right yeah I'm kind of good at it yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. um so we have about 15 minutes left you want to take a look at race eight at Keeneland And this is something I really wanted to do with you in particular, because I am fascinated and so interested in your handicapping process. Take us through how you would even start to look at this race. Like, what are you doing first? And then we'll end with what your pick is. Okay. Well, hold on. I think I can share it on the screen, but... I might lose the podcast altogether if I start clicking buttons. Uh-oh. I was going to say, I was going to do a screen share, but you have that turned okay, off. Let so. me see. I'll screen share. Um, you know, I'm a teacher and, and during the pandemic, we had to use this technology to kind of get us going. And I, I, I'm barely competent, but here we go. All right. We'll start with California Angel. Okay, I was going to I was going to pull up my screen to show oh, you what I look let at. Me, let me toss it over to you then. Stop okay. share. Give us a moment, people, while I'm figuring out what to okay. do with my life over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> da, 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 da. Make host. I'm going to make you the host. How about that, Candice? There we go. You're okay, good. Okay, I hope that we don't lose. Okay. Okay. So uh, can you see what I am looking Ooh, at? Yes, time form. This is this is, pretty. This is time form US. Isn't it okay, beautiful to look it at? Is. Yeah. Um this these are the PPs that I use when I'm doing my everyday handicapping. Wow. And as you can okay. see, there's a lot of colors and there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh a lot of things going on. But the first thing that I look at is over here in this corner. Mm-hmm. This is the pace projector. Oh. So what it does is it takes the first the first uh, quarter of the race and the times and it kind of determines it kind of projects how the horses are going to run okay. based on their past performances and where they mm-hmm. were um, in previous starts. Got it. Look so, at that poor um, six all the way at the back, the caboose. <laughs> uh, but uh, so once I look at the pace projector and I kind of see who is going to be on the lead 8 12 mm. uh, 4 11 um and 
in the United States, even in a turf race, horses mm-hmm. that are closer to the pace generally do better because okay. um, we just have a speed biased form of racing in this country. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I'm looking at a turf race, I kind of look towards the middle of the field. So five, mm-hmm. seven, nine, ten. Um, okay. Now, why look toward the middle of the field for a turf race? Uh, because in a turf race, uh, horses, it, it's generally, even though this says it's a fast pace, mm-hmm. generally the horses go fast late in a okay. turf race. It's okay. so like, but this is, also, this is also the United States. So we're fast all the time, but Got it. Okay. Uh, so uh, when I'm looking at a turf race, I t- kind of look towards the middle because those horses are going to have a uh, pretty balanced energy distribution they're going to be able to run they're going to be able to stay just behind the fast running horses so that they don't have to you know try to pass the entire field like the horses at the very back of the pack they're going to have to use a lot of energy in the final furlong and they're going to have to pass a lot of horses and there's just too much going on in the stretch for me to be confident in those horses. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So that's, that's where you're looking first. And then what's the next thing you're going to do? So then once I look at that part, then I look at the horse's running style and you'll see it in this column here where it says running style. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, pace numbers mm-hmm. and I do find that numbers help me uh, okay. would live all the other stuff down and I can just kind of glance at it. So uh, um, the closer, the higher the number, the faster the figure. Right. So then I look and, um, so let's see this number eight bubble rock. He's got a one Oh three. He's going to be one of the ones up on the lead. And that's what mm-hmm. the pace projector said. And then the 12 has a one Oh six. So you know that those two are going to be motoring right from the gate. Right. And that bubble rock is checking all my boxes, Santana Cox right like wow right however Mm -hmm. however this is a turf race so horses with late energy distribution horses that run late horses Mm -hmm. that pass slowing down horses in the stretch are going to be ones that you look for so but also um see that here's one with a 92 and a 97 and a 91 Mm -hmm. these horses are going to be just right behind those fast horses okay they're going to be pressing Okay. And um, they don't have to be running all that fast. They don't have Mm -hmm. to be throwing down 21, 22. But Mm -hmm. if there's another horse that's beside them, it kind of ups their energy. Just like if you're running by yourself, you're Mm -hmm. running and you're, you can keep up a good pace. But if you have somebody next to you that's breathing and jostling, you know, it kind of gets your anxiety up a little bit, even, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that wears your energy out and horses are the same way. Mm -hmm. So if you're, even if you're on the lead and you have a comfortable lead, if you have a horse that's just right behind you and you can sense that it kind of uh, zaps your energy a little bit. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so anyway, then I start looking at the horses that have higher numbers at the back. So mm-hmm. Majestic Glory here, the number six, has got a 116. That one's going to be flying. That one's going to be coming from the clouds. Ooh. Another mm-hmm. one is going to be California Angel. She's mm-hmm. going to be coming from far off too. Nice. Okay. 
And so, um, w- and that number at the beginning, that is like the, uh, the 61 for California angel, would that be the equivalent of a buyer speed or no? Um, you can, I kind of use it like a buyer speed. Okay. Um, it's, uh, she's when they, when they break from the gate, she's not going to be the fastest one. It gotcha. takes her a little bit of time to get into her stride. Wow. But once she gets there, she's flying. Well, once she gets there, she's flying. So, um, she also has that class, you know, she's running some mm-hmm. stakes. She's won a stakes race at yeah. Keeneland. Um, so, um, even though she's going to be coming from off the pace from mm-hmm. way off, I think she has a chance because mm-hmm. she's got a really good closing number there on her gotcha. pace. Okay. Um, and so when you look at this, this field, are there any horses that are an automatic toss for you? That's kind of difficult because, um, there aren't any like super, like the fastest one coming out of the gate is that 12, but it's not crazy fast, you know? Right. And then the, the closing number is a 60. So it's not too, too bad, but like, if it was a 120 and a 40, I'd yeah. be tossing that horse. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. So comes out fast is going to, exp- you know, uh, spend a lot, a lot of, of energy fuel. early and right. then gets tired and just. Good Lord. Candace, you sound like my mentor and boss, <laughs> Benny South street. He's constantly talking to me about, you know, fast in the beginning means late at the end or whatever, backing up and all that. Yes. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm at work and I'm listening to my boss. I love it. Well, that's, that's what they mean when they say pace makes the race. Mm-hmm. If you have a fast pace, when you have a lot of horses that, so like the breeders cup classic, it's going to yeah. be fast. And wow. it, but, but how pressured it's going to be like how mm-hmm. much anxiety is flight line going to have with life is good right. close to him. Mm-hmm. That's what we don't know. Right. And, um, but they are going to be going pretty quickly because mm-hmm. they're fast horses naturally. So right. that's why I think that Rich Strike has a chance to hit the board because it's going to be fast and he's going to be able to sit off the pace. And we okay. know that he makes a big run at the end. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be so, great. Um, so when you're okay, you're we're handicapping race eight and which horses looking to you the most attractive. I'm sorry, my face popped off the screen. That might be best for both of us, but I'm trying to get it back. Um, so which horse are you leaning toward here? So I do like California angel. I think she has the, she has experience on the track. She's going to be closing. Um, I think this distance is good for her. The mile on a 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the six. Because okay. she is going to be flying, and Luis Saez is probably not going to let her get that far back. Um, right. He's that's one of your your jockey things. Luis Saez is you can he's he's fast. You can he's yeah. gonna get that horse to go fast. Uh, he's he's not gonna let Secret Oath right in the Kentucky Oaks. Yes, and was super aggressive. Love yes it. yes he's gonna mm-hmm. be he's the more aggressive rider i don't think he's gonna let majestic glory get way 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 too far back mm-hmm. uh so nice little price on her as well yeah yeah, yeah. well mm-hmm. i'm definitely gonna be watching those those prices because that okay. also is ultimately how i make my final decision okay um, once i've looked at these pps i think california angel she'll she'll take a lot of money I don't think Majestic Glory is going to be six to one because other people are looking at the same information. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is anywhere close to six to one, I'm definitely going to be playing that horse. Right. And so do you have any worries about the five Dol- uh, Dolce Zell? Yes, because it's Ira Ortiz and Chad Brown and they're just really good together. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Chad Brown is just really good at getting the horse ready for the turf. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if she won, but I think she's going to be shorter than five to two. And okay. I like to win money. Right. So yeah. I like, like when it's a short price favorite, mm-hmm. I really, really try to find somebody who's going to beat that horse Yeah. <laughs> because that's yeah. how you make money. And that's also how you, you know, gloat when you're right. Yeah. Right. If for me, it's about the gloating. I just want to be right. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I learn how to bet, I'll worry about the money part, but just being right is, is the thing for right. me. Right. I now. mean, that's how I, I mean, start out doing that. Right. Yeah. And so, okay. So you're looking at California angel. Cause I'm going to watch this week with you and then Friday be rooting for you. Uh, so California angel, and you're thinking maybe majestic glory. Is there anyone else? in the race who interests you um the horse the 11 turn her loose mm-hmm. um she she has experience on turf um if we look at her pps and mm-hmm. she actually ran with california angel at kentucky downs okay um but she didn't do so hot there and she hasn't really done much mm-hmm. since she won at fairgrounds earlier this year so i'm not really sure what's going on there But obviously they thought that she had some future on the turf to put her Mm -hmm. back on it. Interesting. Um, Wow. I'll be, I'll be looking at her odds. If if her odds are more than eight to one, if they're like over 10 to one, I might play her just as a win place bet. Right. Um, I'm going to DM you Friday morning and ask you what you landed on finally. Cause I, I, I really wanted this race in particular. I'm, I'm excited because I myself uh, want to handicap and I was looking at Dolce Zell, but just, I've been so ingrained with this idea of stay away from the favorite, avoid the chalk. And uh, so I, I'm trying to find a price, a good price. Um, and that's totally fine, but also it's fun to play the favorite because right. they've they been win. doing really well at Keeneland. The Keeneland this yeah. year, the favorites have been winning at 33%, which is crazy to me. Wow. So, okay. so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good bet. Also, one of the things that I do like to look at are the horses who are also eligible. And if they do draw in, Ooh, okay. Um, I tend to ignore those. So tell don't me ignore why them. I shouldn't. Don't ignore why them. Shouldn't I? Okay. Don't ignore them. Uh, there's a reason why they were also eligible because they were good enough or they either had a win that was too close or, you know, something else kept them from being in the main part of the field. Um, but they're, they're usually good enough and they're competitive. So um, wow. if okay. Diamond Wow draws in, I'm probably going to bet that one too. Really? It does. Okay. She, she was second uh, a year ago to California Angel going okay. the same distance here at Keeneland. Mm-hmm. So she might be able to come Ooh, off the pace and that would do be something interesting. there. For sure. Okay. So we have had, some horses to look at. Diamond Wow has some pretty nice little workouts too, from what I'm looking at. So, and so with a workout, what are you looking for in a workout to make that horse desirable to you? Um, uh, honestly, I'm just looking for bullets. Um, they ha- they are um, bolded in the PPs here. Mm-hmm. 
And okay. um, if I see that they've been pretty good, you know, pretty fast, um, I don't really, I mean, I, I wasn't there to watch the horse, right? which is really the most important thing is how well mm-hmm. it completed that work. Um, mm-hmm. But if they're fast enough to be one of the fastest horses of the day, yeah, gotcha. I feel like it would be worth using that horse. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So we have some horses to look about, uh, look at and digest before Friday's Keeneland card comes around. That was actually really helpful. I've never seen time form before. I almost only deal with when I'm doing my personal handicapping, I almost only deal with DRF, but through trip note pros, we've been working and and doing some stuff with Brisnet. And so I'm learning more about Brisnet as well. Um, I also Uh, like Brisnet's numbers. Um, when I go to Churchill Downs and so the, the only negative for time form us is that they're really not nice on a phone. And, (laughs) um, so if I don't have time to look at the time form before I go to the track, Mm -hmm. um, I get in and the, uh, programs are free with, um, Churchill Downs. So I use the brisk numbers that are in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I like those. Gotcha. The super screener is based on brisk numbers too. So, okay. Good to know. And so what's your favorite track to handicap? Um, I like Churchill Downs and I like Keeneland. Mm -hmm. Um, Del Mar. I love Del Mar. California. Yes. I, 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 (laughs) I loved being out there and to this day I still love playing that track. Yeah. Wow. But See, really it's Santa Anita. Really anywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere. If, anywhere if where there's, there's a race on and I look at it, I'll see if I'll see if I can formulate an opinion about it. Oh, I love that, Candace. Now tell me, <laughs> have you ever looked at a race and just picked a horse because of its name? Or yes. Because you like the cloths. Okay, how'd it go? Yes. Yes. Well. The very first Kentucky Derby that I ever picked was 1995. I was watching TV. I saw this horse. The horse's name was Thunder Gulch. I said, that is the winner of the race. Love that name. That name is great. And then um, the TV that I was watching had a really bad picture. So when the jockeys came out, Gary Stevens silks, they are blue and orange, but they looked pink and purple on my bad TV. I said, oh my gosh, that's my derby horse. Okay. So good to know that you can be yeah, as and like if there's a horse, if there's a horse with a really good name, I'll take an extra look at it and see right? what the PPs have to say. I am not right? I'm not above picking a horse just based on the name. So I teach English. Anytime I see a horse that's even closely related to a piece of literature I've taught or some kind of concept, I'm like, that's my horse for that race, you know. And so the yes. the, the handicapping goes out the window. But so with HRN, you're, you're using time form on your, for your own handicapping. Um, and it sounds like there just are a multitude of resources available at HRN with someone with my sort of still, and I've been doing it for three years, but I still feel very new, uh, in so many ways. And I am told that often, um, which product would you recommend I go? Don't don't second guess yourself. Yeah. You've been doing this for three years. You yeah. can do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm eager to learn more, but with me, where I'm at in my handicap and what product would you recommend for me first? 
I would definitely say super screener. Okay. Super screener. He really does a good job of laying out pace and energy distribution. And that to me, that just took my own handicapping to another level because it put together the stuff that I knew about horses themselves with the numbers and stuff. And okay. that just, I would definitely do super screener. I um, love it. Horse Racing yeah. Nation itself, we, we are always adding new things. And one of the newest things that we've added to the site for free is um, we have our own speed figures now. Um, I'm, I'm still I'm still learning about them myself, mm. but um, but we we found some people that would let us use their 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 numbers for our site, and um, they we thought they were good enough to use them. Wow. So if you go to any of any of our uh, race results, any of the horses, you'll see their HRN number. Mm -hmm. um, let me. Hmm. Yeah, show me what you got. Yeah. <laughs> and so what is it like to work with Ed DeRosa? Is it oh, as goodness. frustrating to be his friend as it is his coworker or <laughs> um, he's actually really cool to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never had any issues. He's, he's a sweetheart. He's, he's good. He's good. Mm -hmm. We, he's been with HRN for about a year, but I, yeah. I, it's just hilarious to me that people want to know what Ed's like. And I'm like, I have 10 years of stories right. about Mark Midland and Mike Shuddy and our, our tech guys and having to explain to them how dead heats and coupled yeah. injuries work. And they're like, what is all this about? <laughs> right. And then, so like, I've been noticing that about Ed too, he is a very polarizing figure on HRT. If you don't kind of understand his sense of humor and things like that, I think he's just a funny guy. And I think people like are, are intrigued by him. So I'm sorry for pummeling you with that question, but no, you don't have to apologize. It's totally fine. I yeah. get it. <laughs> right. When Sarah was on, we, we harassed her about it as well. So <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about Ed. So, but thank you so much. I really want to see this super screener because I think this might help me this weekend with Santa Anita. And and um, so I actually I'm not sure what he's doing this weekend because gotcha. we have the That's Breeders' nice. Cup. Um he has he's been ask. doing the the stakes each week. I'm not sure if he's gonna okay. be doing them this week, unfortunately. Yeah. But I looked at Santa Anita's card for Friday because I thought we could, you know, do a race there. And there weren't, I don't think there was a single stakes race on that card. So I, I figured not a lot of people would be paying attention to it, but Keeneland for sure. Right. Yes. Everybody loves Keeneland. So sorry, I'm looking. No, you're fine. Take your time. Wow. All right. So we streamline our horse pages a little bit, but mm -hmm. if you see the honey rider stakes mm -hmm. you can see our speed figs we've got okay. them in here now oh perfect they're we're still integrating it all into the site okay. so uh, the jessamine last year we only have one horse with uh, a number um mm -hmm. but i'll have to let our tech team know um but um these are speed figures that mm -hmm. you can pretty much trust and um they're free. Okay. Yeah. I'm all about free on a teacher's budget. I'm about the free. Yeah. Um, so I have one final question for you and then, uh, we will say good night and I will thank you gratuitously. <laughs> um, is it true what they say? If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Do you feel like you, you are the living embodiment of that phrase? 
Um, I feel like if you love what you do, you end up working more <laughs> because really? you love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's horses all the time and I love it, but it's still work. And, yeah. um, there are times when I'm just, I get home next week. I'm going to be tired every single day. Oh, I when bet. I get home, I'm just going to crash. But the mm-hmm. thing is, I'm going to be pulling up HRT and I'm going to be pulling up some PPs and I'm going to be looking at horses and mm-hmm. I'm going to be, you know, it's just, it's all the time. It's just complete wow. immersion. So how do you, I'm sorry, now I have a follow-up question. Uh, so how do you, how do you practice self-care? How do you give yourself a break? Because it does seem like your whole life, you know, is, is horse racing. Uh, I do model horse things um, mm-hmm. because not all of that is racing related. Right, uh, those figurines behind you are gorgeous. Thank you. Um, I, I also have my, my dog, Clemmy, um, mm-hmm. a little corgi. I train her and go out and do things with her. Um, I bought a house in 2019 and I'm still trying to get it looking nice wow. and decorate Congratulations. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like, uh, I like reading history and listening to podcasts. I listen to so many podcasts, Do but only you? a couple, okay. only a yeah. couple of horse racing ones. Uh, right. Frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same here. Uh, this, is, this is one of the ones that's worth listening to because it is different. It's, it's a different mm-hmm. perspective on the sport. Well, and I feel like that's one of the things that horse racing in general would benefit from is having more, uh, diversity in leadership positions, right. having more women, having more young women, having mm-hmm. more people of color, you know, because yeah. the sport has a lot of diversity actually participating, right. but people mm-hmm. making the decisions are not necessarily so. Right. Right. And so, you know, the, the other ladies and I were, were trying to kind of like, um, restructure, uh, rebuild a little bit because we want, we want to be taken a bit more seriously. I'd love to pick your brain at some point about how maybe we can do that and become a little bit more competitive with some of the other podcasts, because just talking with you tonight, like there's, I'm so excited about horse racing. Like you, awesome. yeah, you really, really, that is uh, my goal to get people excited about horse racing. Absolutely. Mission accomplished. Yes. So yeah, I I really can't wait for Carson and Nancy to hear this and to share with them my experience with you, because it's just, this has been awesome. And and I will say this is the longest we've recorded (laughs) the podcast. I just don't want to stop because I'm having so much fun. I I, I have had a great time talking and actually we're going to have to, because I left my power cord for this computer at HRN. And (laughs) I'll just tell you this, my little dog, John Henry, Henry, named Aww. after John Henry, uh, he has to go potty. So <laughs> okay. thank you so much, Candace, for coming on. And, and I can't wait to talk to you again. And, and hopefully you'll want to come back definitely. Um, and sit with all three of us and we'll have a good chat. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Anytime. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to go ahead. Ooh, you're the host man. So everybody X factor, thank you so much, Candace again, and we will have you back. Everyone have a good, safe, uh, evening and safe trips to everybody this, this weekend. All righty. Adios. Bye.